which I don't think is going to mask the live eels, but I've been wrong before. Hello everybody and welcome back to Witch Fix. Today I am looking at a very strange movie. Strange because I think it's actually the movie that I could find out the least about and that was the most interesting thing about it. Uh, normally when I search up these films just to find out a little bit of information about, you know, the storyline, the ratings, various other things, sometimes they don't have a Wikipedia page but they always have an IMDb page because up until today I thought IMDb was infallible and that every movie would appear on it even if there was basically no information it would still have an entry this movie confounded that theory i could find nothing it is called the last witch i stumbled across it on youtube and i'm not ashamed to say it i watched it because it was only 55 minutes long and because i had a theory that a movie i had already ordered would arrive in the post today and i didn't want to be tied up watching a really long shit movie when that movie arrived it has arrived. I'm very excited. This is also the movie, if you watch my unboxing videos, that I stopped watching halfway through to go unbox something because I was so bored. So with that information out of the way, let's talk about the film. So I managed to find the smallest amount of information on it at all. It doesn't seem to exist. It's been complicated looking for things because The Last Witch brings up a lot of results for The Last Witch Hunter, which is a Vin Diesel movie that I still haven't reviewed. I'm sorry. But I did manage to find its page on Amazon because you can rent this movie from there. And on Amazon, it gives the following information. Basically, nothing. But that the movie is 58 minutes long. It was released in 2017, which I'll come back to because bullshit was it. And it was apparently directed by John B. Dolan and stars Phyllis March. Uh, now, it gives an IMDb score of 2.9 on the, the Prime Video page for the movie. But... There's nothing clickable there. I, I can't get to a page. And when I search on IMDb, nothing comes up. So I don't believe that that page exists anymore if it ever did. Now, I looked up the name of, of the starring actors and actresses and couldn't find IMDb pages for them either. But I did have some luck with John Dolan. He has an IMDb page. I don't think that he is the John Dolan responsible for this movie. I could be wrong, but on his IMDb page it says that he is a multi-award winning filmmaker who possesses a master's degree in film production from Chapman University. Um, and his first foray into 35mm filmmaking was a politically charged short film titled The Martyr. Um, and he also now, I think according to the page that I found for him, does like adverts for things, BMW and stuff not sure i wasn't sure that he was the right guy so i didn't put that much effort into it i did find a page on the writer's room website which i had not previously known existed for the supposed director of photography for this movie although it lists him as director of photography and photographer still so a man of at least two talents john hager um he lists this movie as one of his projects that was all I could find on it. It wasn't like linked to anything else. There was nothing clickable. So I'm a little bit confused by just generally all of that. Um, but I looked into it a little bit more and apparently the director is John B. Dolan. Who, when I googled him, got I got a bunch of obituaries for people called John B. Dolan. And shockingly, none of them mentioned this movie. So I gave up and just decided, you know what? I'll watch it and then we'll see. So... I don't know how best to talk about this film. I don't want to rag on it too much because I'm not sure if it's like 
if, is it a student film? Is it like a professional movie that was meant to be created for like dissemination into the public? I'm not sure, but um, just just to err on the side of caution, I'm going to be as harsh as humanly possible. So the movie, which is 55 minutes long, it's actually less, it's 30, like 53 minutes long because the end is just credits. I'm going to trigger warn at this point. It's not necessarily a serious trigger warning because I didn't think the movie would be that triggering, but there is a scene which is a rape scene. It's not handled as that, and we'll get into why that's a problem in a minute, but also child abduction. Without further ado... We get two minutes of credits at the beginning of the movie of just an old woman moving around the house and there being introductory shots of the house being old. She sits down to read a book in front of the fireplace with a plate of like Oreos and Twizzlers and I kind of found this funny because I was like oh okay I get it because like witches live in candy houses, witches must love candy. That, that's not really how that works because the candy house is meant to attract children and it's only the one witch that lives in a candy house but I kind of liked that she just liked candy. There was no explanation as to why, but it reminded me of Elf. Then she gets instantly disturbed by a knock at the door and gets up, grumbling the whole time about whippersnappers and the state of things today. But when she opens the door to the guy who is on the doorstep, she appears as a young woman who's blonde and kind of sexy and, and attractive. The movie seems to be based around literally this premise and this alone, because that's all of the scenes seem to amount to, is just... She's an old woman, haha, <laughs> but people think she's a sexy young lady. It's basically like, you know in R.I.P.D., the movie, where Jeff Bridges is actually a hot blonde woman to all the alive people, and there's like a couple of funny moments in that film based on that. It's like if you tried to make a movie that was just that. This was actually one of the things that I kind of liked about the film. I just wish that it hadn't just relied on it for its entire content. Uh, the guy is there to talk to her about the thrilling subject of having stop signs put on their street and to get her to sign a petition. While he's talking to her, neither of their names are revealed, but um, she does a terrible, unsubtle job of being like, oh, I wish I was 50 years younger. And he's like, what was that? And she's like, I wish I could sign your petition 50 times. That is a direct quote. So this unnamed man then leaves. And uh, she then investigates a noise upstairs and is jump scared by her own cat. I'm pretty sure if you're the witch in the movie and you're meant to be like the bad guy of the film, you aren't meant to get jump scared. But okay, this is sort of like if, you know, fucking Freddy Krueger was like waking up from a nightmare at the beginning of his own movie. It just makes no sense. But uh, she then set threatens to sell her cat to the nice Chinese lady down the street, which I think is just meant to be a joke about Chinese people eating cats. Which is racist, but also bothered me because I thought like the, the actual racist joke was Chinese people eating dogs. So it's racist and it makes no sense. And I tried to think maybe she just meant that she was just going to give the cat to someone else. But if you wanted to like threaten your cat, why would you say you were going to give it to a nice lady? That That's not a threat. So this whole sentence troubled me deeply. She's going through an old trunk looking at a snow globe, which I guess is what witches do on their time off, when she hears a bashing funking noise from downstairs and it turns out to be an old lady with a head wound she lets the old lady in and apparently they are family the exact familial relationship never defined woman never named uh, main character not named until much later uh, but the unnamed old lady says that she is cursed and cannot be helped and uh, she gives the first unnamed old lady the uh, ring that had belonged to their grandmother so like a family heirloom she then starts coughing 
bad actingly runs into the bathroom coughs up some blood that we we don't see that happen but we find her body like on the floor next to some blood so i'm making an assumption that she coughed that blood up uh, and she is apparently dead the first unnamed old woman who is the protagonist of the film then drags her body down to the basement and into a crawl space but this and many other things in this beginning section of the film seem to happen in real time you know how usually there'll be like cuts of like Maybe someone hitting a kettle switch and then stirring a cup of tea that's been made and then walking into a room with that tea. No, tea making and various other things happens in real time in this film. It's bizarre and makes me feel like they were really padding to get to an under an hour runtime. But anyway, the woman is dead, but then she opens her eyes and says that she is dead, but she is delivering a warning, which means nothing. Like, why is she not dead? But she says that um, the curse shall live. Uh, I want my family alive again. Uh, the spell of extended life has cursed me. And then to shut her up, I guess, the protagonist of the movie stabs her fakely with what looks like a wooden doorstop, but it's probably meant to be some sort of stake. And then goes, there are better ways for a girl to spend a Saturday night, which is the funniest line in the film. I'm sorry. We then get a cut to her being woken up by a loud lawnmower. There's a guy outside doing like yard work and she goes, to, this This was actually kind of the most amusing scene in the film. She goes to the window and it's like, rash of freshin', burr, burr, get off my lawn. But what the guy hears is her being like a polite, nice little blonde lady going, oh hi, excuse me, it's like super early, can you turn off your lawnmower? And I kind of like that idea. Uh, that she has the spell on her that not only does she look young but also she doesn't have to bother being nice to people <laughs> she can just yell at them and they hear politeness which is quite funny um she then notices that a plant in her house is dead and blames the ill-defined curse that we don't really understand what it is yet and says that a spell should hopefully get rid of the curse her pet bird then instantly dies which is apparently the most tragic thing that's ever have fucking happened to her even though she just murdered one of her family members and put them in a crawl space there we go she casts a spell to resurrect the bird which there is no blowback from she just brings something back to life and it's fine and that seems kind of premature because if the curse killed the plant and then the bird why would you bring the bird back to life when the curse hasn't been dealt with yet what if it just cacks it again immediately she then says that she's heading to hospital to get what she needs and this is where the rape scene comes in because she climbs on top of a man who was either comatose or sleeping. I say comatose or sleeping because while there were no tubes attaching him to a machine suggesting that he was in a coma, he also didn't wake up when she got on top of him for like the longest time. But there you go. She then appears to kind of rock back and forth on him. And the guy in the next bed definitely thinks something sexy is going on. But apparently she's just trying to get this guy's heart beating fast before she rips it out of his chest. This is weird. And I feel like if this was the other way around, gender wise, it would be not in the film because that that's instantly a problem. And this scene should also not be in the film because even if the genders are the other way around, it's still a fucking rape scene. So I, I was not happy about that being included. She she pulls out his heart and then looks at it crazily like she's waiting for the director to tell her to stop and he's taking a phone call and therefore busy. So there you go. She then drives home with the heart. Uh, I assume she stops to pick, off, pick up some junk food because there's junk food in her car later. Um, but she's on her way home when a cop pulls her over. The cop is the unnamed stoplight 
guy from before. He is her neighbour. He loves stop signs. He then hits on her, which is wildly inappropriate to do while he's on duty and potentially giving her a speeding ticket or whatever her traffic offence was. Then she prevaricates, answering his invitation to go for a drink. And then we just get a shot of the heart beating in a jar. And then we cut instantly to them at a bar and it's like, was the heart giving her a secret message? Like, oh, it'll be fine. I'll just sit here with the window cracked open slightly. You go and have a margarita. But they're at a bar now. And he tells her that he's a single father to his daughter called Cindy. We are now 20 minutes into the film and Cindy is the only named character. <laughs> so uh, that's pretty depressing. A guy in grey face then appears to her while she's in the toilet. I say grey face because he's literally just wearing like a layer of grey grease paint on his face and asking her if she wants to dance. So she runs away, makes her excuses to go home and then goes home. So the bar scene was kind of pointless. She then says, as she puts the heart in the jar in the living room, that the sound of a beating heart will keep the curse at bay. To which I responded, does not everyone have a heart? If the sound of a beating heart keeps the curse at bay, what's wrong with the heart that's in you? This makes no sense. But there we go. And also I was questioning, because at the beginning of the film I had thought that maybe she was already immortal because she was really old but using a spell to appear young. But apparently no, she just has like a normal lifespan and the curse that she's under now means that she'll live forever but then in the next scene she says the curse may have been a blessing i have so much to do so why are you using a heart to keep it at bay if you keep it at bay surely you will die yes no this curse is ill-defined apparently by i have so much more to do she means i'm gonna water some fucking houseplants because that's what she does the woman i guess who previously died and was put in the crawl space then appears also in gray face so i guess she's meant to be a ghost okay uh, and at the same time unnamed protagonist develops a kind of ugly sore on her hand which goes away the next second but does make her scream while it's there and when she goes to the kitchen she finds the heart in the jar has been like smashed and is no longer beating she stabs it a little bit to try and get it to beat again which just proves that she is not a cardiac surgeon but she moves on to plan b which is to pass the curse onto someone else instead and to that end she goes looking for a potion we then get some moderately cool shots, and I will admit that they were cool, of some dead bugs, some plant roots, and a live pair of eels. I love a good live eel. She then cuts up a bunch of fruit, which kind of looks like tomatoes, to make into a curse pie, which had the unpleasant side effect of reminding me of the movie Thinner, based on the Stephen King book Thinner. The movie of Thinner is the worst movie I've ever seen, and I've seen The Room. It was so boring, but in that, the guy is suffering under a curse that makes him continually lose weight uh, up to the point of, you know, death. So he's given, like, a curse pie, which bubbles, <laughs> which is kind of alarming, uh, to give to someone else to, to pass the curse on to them. Uh, so that's the only other situation in which I'd seen a curse pie previously, but this movie also features a curse pie. She covers the two eels, which are still alive, in a thin layer of fruit, which I don't think is going to mask the live eels, but I've been wrong before. And uh, then she goes outside and there's like a loud kind of grindy noise, which at first to me sounded like roller skates. So I assumed she was delivering the pie while wearing Heelys, but she's not. It's a hedge trimmer and uh, it's her next door neighbour trimming hedges now. His name is Barney. So he's the second named character in this movie with the main character who is not him. 
So uh, she then offers him the pie for him and his wife, who is just... Her character is to be a bitch yelling from inside the house as to what he's doing and why he's not doing yard work. Now, the way this witch acts about this pie, I would have it taken to a remote location and detonated because she is sketchy as hell. She's just like, look, I made you a pie. I put my heart into it. Make sure your wife has a really big piece. And it's like, okay, mentally speed dialing the FBI. But there we go. He gives her th- She gives him the pie and, 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 and leaves. The cop then sees her wander into the woods and follows her. I don't know why, because he doesn't know where she lives. But he just, like, stops his car, gets out and chases her into the woods. Like, this is his one chance to talk to her. They go through the woods and end up on a cliff. And she, like, jumps up behind him and is like, hey, you were following me. And he says, if you run away again, I'll catch you. Which is creepy. Don't do that, guy. He's he's already, like, hitting on people. He's pulled over for traffic stops. He is, like, 20 minutes away from being a law and order bad guy. But... Then they decide to play the least sexy game of sexy hide and sexy seek. And then it immediately cuts to her lying in the bathtub and putting what looked like mayonnaise on her face. Like from a big jar of Hellman's. So so that was a weird cut. We never get to see the end of the game of sexy hide and seek. I don't know who wins and that will haunt me to my grave. She then gets disturbed having her mayonnaise bath by someone ringing the doorbell. But when she goes to the door, she does not appear as a young lady. She appears as an old lady. So apparently that spell is not working that well. He's there to return the pie because his wife doesn't let him take stuff from women. And also she is timing him to see that he gets back in a short amount of time. Barney might need help. Again, this is just like domestic abuse played for laughs. It's in this scene. 30 minutes into the movie, so over halfway through, that we find out the main character's name is Belinda. The witch then consults a witchy book in a scene that should have had an epilepsy warning but didn't uh, to find a spell to shed evil. And she apparently needs a child who has seen sadness but still holds joy. So, rut row, Cindy's days seem to be numbered because she is without a mother and available. Belinda then cancels her date with the cop whose name we still do not know. It's unclear if she likes this guy or not, because in every scene that she's in with him, she seems reluctant to spend time with him and to think that he's annoying. But at this point, she seems genuinely sad that she has to cancel the date. So her feelings are unclear and oscillate wildly between extremes. The scary, grey-faced woman appears again and then Belinda drinks a potion, the purpose for which is not divulged. But she then seems to be in pain and then crouches and crawls through the crawl space with a big knife. To, to go and stab the dead body that she hid there, which is now almost entirely rotten down to a skeleton with eyeballs, which you should get checked because that sounds like wet rot or termites. Again, I don't know why this scene is here. I don't know what it was meant to achieve, but she stabs a body. Let's move on. Belinda then approaches Cindy in a playground and tries to give her a lesson on appreciating her youth, which is wildly inappropriate because she intends to steal that youth and or kill Cindy. She reminisces a bit about her own childhood and says that she'll tell Cindy a secret if Cindy comes back later without her babysitter and then also comes to her house. Belinda's sketchy, but this child has no alarm bell, so she she comes back to the playground and goes home with Belinda. The girl, when they get to the house, says it smells like old people and then suddenly realises that she's alone in a house with a stranger and she runs off to hide in the house but doesn't leave. 
The cop arrives at his house to find that Cindy is missing. Presumably he fires his babysitter. And then Greyface Guy turns up and again says he wants to dance with Belinda. But she says, like, I'll never be yours and I'll never dance with you. And he disappears, never to be seen again. He is never named and we do not know if he's like an old boyfriend or what the storyline is or why he's there. But Belinda then searches for Cindy in the house. Cindy asks why Belinda doesn't have kids as if that's the weirdest thing about Belinda. Which is rude because some people are child free, Cindy. And to be honest, you're annoying and kind of an advert for not wanting kids. During the following scenes, Belinda oscillates wildly between pretending she isn't evil and being all pally and nice and kind of bonding with Cindy. And then also just flatly telling her that she's an evil witch and she needs Cindy for a spell. So I don't know who was writing this, but I presume two people. She shows Cindy her photo album, which is as thrilling as it sounds, which contains 300 years worth of witch history and family pictures. She says that the pictures are blank white squares until you look at them and then the people appear. To which I respond, what is the point? Because technically pictures don't show you anything until you look at them. That's what eyes are for. But, but apparently this is a magical thing that needed to be in the film. So there you go. Then we get some weird forest flashback to when her and her sisters, I guess, used to just run through the woods for entertainment. Time period unclear. But Cindy calls an end to that bullshit by saying that it's boring. I guess there may be bonding. I don't know. The cop arrives at Barney's house. And at this point, 46 minutes into the film, we find out that his name is Jordan. Enjoy this last... Not even 10 minutes of the film in which I knew his name. Jordan, Jordan, Jordan. Is told by Barney that he saw Belinda walking Cindy and her bike to her house. And Jordan then freaks out and says he wants to call for backup. I don't know why this is. Because up until now, he's he, he's met Belinda. He's He's been out with her. He seems to think that she's a perfectly normal, nice woman who does not respect stop signs. So... Okay, so she walked his daughter home from the park with her bike. That's not really a cause for calling in police backup. Maybe a little bit of anger, maybe a bit of concern that she's taken your daughter somewhere, but I feel like he overreacts quite strongly. Cindy has not been with Belinda for a while, but when they are reunited within the house, she says she saw something with long fingers and no skin. And Belinda says, oh, don't be worried. That's here for me, not you. We never see this thing. Uh, I'm kind of glad because judging by the rest of the special effects in the movie it would look like shite but at the same time this is the first and last time it is mentioned she then apparently has enough of Cindy because she drags her across the floor and uh, is I guess ready to get down to whatever spell she needs to do the cop seems to think that Belinda is dangerous and again I, I'm not sure why because he knows nothing but Belinda then loses control of Cindy who runs into the woods and she chases her a short distance to the cliff from before. Uh, the cop and Barney then uh, find them struggling on the cliff. Some loud music kicks in so it makes the dialogue really hard to hear and uh, Belinda instead of coming up with a sort of lie or plausible story is just like no I need her youth to which I say what the fuck. Belinda then appears to shift from being young Belinda to being old Belinda. After that first time where she appeared to Barney as old Belinda without realising it, that doesn't happen again. So I guess maybe the potion she drank was to keep her looking young. But now she turns old again and kisses Barney. I assumed in an attempt to steal what precious youth he had, but he seems fine but confused. And then she jumps off the cliff. Her dead body at the bottom of the cliff is just like lying on some rocks and uh, is old and then we get a 
panning shot towards the ocean like, ah, my true love is the sea. In the last scenes of the movie, we get Cindy being taken home and Jordan utters my thoughts on the movie by saying he's not sure what happened, but it's a big mess. And then Barney is also there and it becomes very obvious very fast that Barney has been taken over by Belinda because Cindy says when he like hugs her that he smells funny and he says it'll be our secret, which harkens back to the whole secret discussion they had at the park. And then he whips out one of the witch's cigarillos, takes two puffs on it and then throws it away, which is wasteful, uh, and then goes to the house where Barney's wife is. And that's the end of the film. So a couple of things. There are large portions of this film which are boring or ridiculous to the point of unwatchability. But I do feel like at the heart of it, there is an interesting premise. I like the concept of a witch who looks one way to like herself and in reality and looks another way to other people. Uh, I think that could have been a nice feature of a film that had anything else going for it. I wish that the curse thing had been better defined and if she had been able to make up her mind whether it was a good thing or bad thing because she seems to treat it like a blessing that she now has a longer time to water her pot plants and also as a, a curse that she needs to get rid of. And aside from the dead plant and singular instance of the bird dying, which she brought back to life with no consequences in about 10 minutes, there seems to be no downside to this curse if you're okay with living forever and occasionally seeing grey people who pose a threat which is not defined at all. There were some moments that I did kind of enjoy, like the, the potion making scene was kind of cool, but the rest of it was just kind of a flaming hot ball of garbage. There was so much padding just to get it over 50 minutes that it, it, it ran very slowly and left me feeling kind of unfulfilled. So I can't really say I recommend it, but it was kind of an interesting idea uh, it reminded me a little bit of Hocus Pocus, but tonally it was a bit weird because it had these kind of jokey elements that made it seem like a Disney Channel original movie. But then also she jumped on a sleeping slash comatose guy and ripped his heart out of his chest. So I'm confused as to who this film is for. Amazon says it has a rating of 13 plus. But there you go. That, that is the movie. And hopefully I can now move on with my life and watch something different. I hope you've enjoyed this review and in the meantime, uh, get in contact on Twitter or by email, uh, share some of your thoughts, you can recommend some other films for me to take a look at because I, I need some help. And uh, in the meantime, I'll see you in the next one.